When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Kyle Foster Show presented by The Big Lead. Let me tell you, days like this are why you get out of bed in the morning, why you start your own podcast, why you sift through it all, why you watch all those games The energy is amazing. I could not wait to get in front of a microphone after listening to people with the privilege of getting in front of a microphone, just absolutely exploding all over the place. And for good reason, we are coming off what I don't even think there's a conversation about. It was the greatest weekend of playoff football in NFL history. The first three games go down to the wire, decided by field goals by the visiting road team with four seconds left on the clock. Then The icing on the cake, the Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs playing what arguably could be considered the finest 60 plus minutes of football considering the stakes ever. And it ends with Patrick Mahomes outdueling Josh Allen. Memorable plays all over the field. I had the realization that this was something special even before those 25 points were exchanged in the final two minutes. And I really locked in my brain to appreciate what was going on. And it was a cool experience online too, because I think that everybody kind of reached the same conclusion at about the same time. Like what the hell is going on? We are so blessed that this is happening earlier on Sunday. We had Matt Stafford jumping out to a 27 to three lead over Tom Brady, then white knuckling it all the way down Tom Brady, as he so often has done has mounted an unbelievable comeback fueled by unworldly talent and unbelievable luck. It's not enough that he's the greatest quarterback to play the game. It's that he is also the luckiest player, maybe in the history of team sports. He might be a witch. It certainly seemed like this was going to be the second installment of coming back from a 20 something to three deficit with elimination on the line, but Stafford gets the ball back completes an amazing throw to Cooper cup against zero coverage. Bruce Arians did a lot to hurt his legacy this year. That decision was terrible. He said, criticize me if you must. And you know what? We're going to go ahead and oblige because it was an atrocious decision that just set the table for bills, chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, the greatest physically gifted quarterback we have ever seen appearing that way, but getting matched Time and time again by Josh Allen. I tweeted this out. Josh Allen is like, 
if they allowed the trees from the Wizard of Oz to play football. Trying to tackle him in the open field is an unenviable task. His comeback, some of the throws that he made was otherworldly. It was a game you didn't want either team to lose. One team had to. Unfortunately, that largely came down to the flip of a coin. There are a lot of people this morning lamenting that rule and complaining that the NFL needs to do something about overtime and how it was unfair and how it was unjust and how they were robbed of something. And to those people, I say, please kindly get lost. Yes, the rule might need some tinkering. Yes, there might be a better way to do it. I'm open to it. But if you have the audacity, the unmitigated gall to come on here on Monday morning after that unbelievable deluge of spectacular entertainment in the sporting realm, then there's something wrong with you. That cannot be your number one takeaway. It cannot be the thing that you want to sit here and talk about today. That would be like going to Disney World, getting a free trip, having a great time, but then complaining that your hot dog was a little too expensive, or you got great tickets to a concert, you had front row seats, but you had to walk a little bit. You had to park in a parking garage and go down a few flights of stairs in order to get there. Nobody wants to hear that complaint. That is not going to be the issue of the day. If you want to hear that, please go elsewhere because this is going to be a celebration of the NFL capturing imaginations in ways that it hasn't in a long time. Just simply fantastic. We can go in reverse order here and talk about the Bengals and Joe Burrow riding the leg of Evan McPherson for another week to knock out the Tennessee Titans 19 to 16 in a gross sloppy Thursday night game that was disguised as having the AFC championship game on the line. Joe Burrow just finds a way to get it done. Conversely, Ryan Tannehill was really, really bad. They put pressure on him, three interceptions. The first pass of the game he threw was picked. The last was also intercepted. The Bengals may be a team of destiny because you look at them on the field, they obviously have some deficiencies that are made up largely by Jamar Chase and some turnover luck or maybe some turnover skill, depending on your perspective. But they are far and away the least talented and fearsome team left in the final four, and yet they are there. The fan base could not be happier. This has been 30 years in the making to get one playoff victory, and I can say this as a Lions fan, had to be extraordinarily cathartic. Having two, I can't believe how they're feeling. It's all house money with them. The nightcap, the Niners going in to Lambeau. Is there any better scene in sports when there's sub-zero wind chills? at that frozen tundra. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are on the call. They are bringing their A game. The Niners looked woeful. Jimmy Garoppolo obviously is fighting through some injuries. It's affecting his play on the field. And honestly, he doesn't have that high of a ceiling to begin with. So it's shocking that they were able to advance, but they were able to do it because they built the offense out of duct tape, that duct tape named Debo Samuel, finding George Kittle, up the middle for big passes, the courage to run on third and seven when it mattered most, an elite special teams play, which consisted of a blocked field goal and then a blocked punt for a touchdown. Aaron Rodgers. Let's have the Aaron Rodgers conversation. I have long said that he's been my favorite quarterback to watch play during his tenure. I have unbelievable respect for what he's done, how he's transformed the quarterback position to minimize turnovers, but also get big plays. He's like a magician out there. 
I don't know where that guy was on Saturday night. He looked like a shell of himself. He goes out after a year of alienating himself with most of the public. I was trying to think outside of like a criminal charge, who has done less in a single calendar year to curry favor with his fans. He agitated Packers fans. Packers fans are once again left to realize they have a generational talent that has won one Super Bowl despite unreasonable continuity and opportunity. He's alienated people who believe in germ theory, uh, in science. Uh, he's been very aggressive. He's dabbling into some election conspiracy stuff. Largely, he's speaking to an audience that maybe that's going to be good for him in the long term. But if you're Joe Public walking around and you saw the year that Rodgers had, I think that there was some joy taken that he got his karmic dose. You're walking around thinking this is what we were waiting for. He got what he was asking for. Karma came up and bit him. And I don't know where it goes from here because how many times does he have to have a clear and obvious path to make the Super Bowl and then fail to do it. He has one Super Bowl appearance. One. How is it possible? And that's after getting home games and the supposed home field advantage that Lambeau and Green Bay facilitate. I don't know how we're left to conclude that Aaron Rodgers is anything but one of history's greatest failures when you measure his talent. Maybe that's not the right word. Maybe that's too harsh. Maybe it's underachiever. Yes, football is a team game. And this was the first time that he was primarily responsible for the Packers being bounced from the playoffs. But it's happened time and time again. He'll be 38 next year, turning 39. I don't know what the future holds for him. We've seen how tenuous it can be. And when you look at the crop of quarterback talent around the league, I can't remember a time where there's ever been as many scary players at the top of this list led of course by Mahomes and Josh Allen but you see what Burrow's doing you see Justin Herbert is going to ascend and a little guy named Matt Stafford who has been doing it in Detroit for years and years and years finally got to do it on the big national stage change some of the narratives surrounding him that's what I will be talking about with my guest today it's Jim Costa from 97.1, The Ticket in Detroit. He used to be here in Grand Rapids. He was kind enough to let me fill in on his show a few times. We had a great relationship. And what Jim did, and Jim has been banging this drum for years and years and years, and I will pull it locally here, is Stafford, for all his success, for all his ungodly numbers, was criminally underappreciated when he was here in Detroit. There were some fans, a certain segment of the fans, Jim has a specific name for him, which he'll gladly share, I'm sure. They thought that he was the problem. He's not the problem, obviously. He just beat Tom Brady. He has two playoff wins in two weeks. And he did it despite his team yesterday turning into some bizarro version of the nightmarish Lions, fumbling the ball at every opportunity, blowing coverage, getting burned, when everything was going wrong, he was able to conjure up the throw of his life. It reminded me of so many throws that he has had in fourth quarters with Detroit, obviously the circumstances of which were not as severe, not as important, not on the national stage, not worthy of having a statue erected for you. But to see him do it for someone like myself and Jim, we'll speak to this, 
was really cathartic because I feel so vindicated about all the stuff that I've said about Matthew Stafford. He is this guy. He's always had it in him. Now he finally has a real team, a real defense. Aaron Donald in that front four were ferocious and fearsome for about 40 minutes before Tom Brady went full Tom Brady. But you put a team around him. You give him Odell Beckham Jr. enjoying a renaissance free of Cleveland, finally being the player in the postseason that so many have wanted him to be. Cooper Cup, who might be the most impactful offensive weapon in the entire NFL outside the quarterback position, was everything you wanted him to be. It's a day of celebration, and I'll talk about it with Jim, but if you're a Lions fan, it's a weird thing because the franchise is so terrible. You know that there's no brighter days ahead. It's okay to take some joy in the success of someone who's left. That will be my conversation. He'll be hopping on any minute. But in the time before he does, let me just say, this was everything that the NFL wants a weekend to be. I was doubtful that anything outside the college game could thrill me. I am a college guy. I tune into the NFL as soon as the games start really mattering down the stretch. And this was an unbelievable blessing to be able to consume. Drama, intrigue, star play, star power, refs largely staying out of it. It was just magnificent, narratively and also in the moment. I cannot wait to see what the ratings are going to be. We know that last Sunday, the Niners and Cowboys played in front of 50 million. I have to imagine this Chiefs-Bills game was close. I'm not so sure if the early game between the Rams and the Buccaneers will be able to reach that mark because of the early window, but it's going to be interesting to see. Nonetheless, a funny thing happened too. Last Monday, we had get up undisputed first take and the herd with Colin Coward having their best ratings days ever. First things first had their second biggest day. I have to imagine those records are all going to fall because what a day for content and what a day to react to it. The NFL, man, the NFL, it's going to feel like a letdown. And I had the feeling when the game ended that, yes, that was great. But there was a pause in me that made me consider, you know what, maybe that's it for me. Maybe I go out like George Costanza on a high note and just enjoy this high for the rest of time, because there's absolutely no way that next weekend matches there's no way that the super bowl is going to be as good as this bills chiefs game uh and when that happens it will feel like a letdown maybe the lesson is to enjoy these things when they happen to be appreciative for them to dive in head first and just let it bask all over you and i think that's kind of the general consensus that i've gotten from everybody who isn't complaining about a stupid overtime rule there's so much good stuff to talk about my first thoughts when i look at the conference championship games the chiefs laying seven to the bengals while i like kansas city to cover in this one i think that you saw what this offense is capable of i think that the bengals have struggled to put up points They've been relying on field goals. Field goals are not going to get it done against Kansas City. That's signing your own death warrant. I think that that's at least a 10-point victory, if not more. Kind of a sleepy affair as Kansas City continues its march back to the Super Bowl. 
the NFC game is a lot more intriguing because as high as I am on Stafford and how good he's looked, I think that you really saw some falls and some faults with the Rams. If they don't hold on to the football, they're going to lose. It's as simple as that. They can't be turning the ball over four times. The Niners just do what they have to do. It's the best offensive scheme. They are making chicken salad out of chicken scratch each and every game. It's a sight to behold. I fear their defense. I fear their special teams. I think that's how they can get the Rams. And we just saw San Francisco go in to LA and emerge with a victory. So I think that one's going to be a bit tighter. I do think it's appealing to take the Niners. But something about it makes me think that I will be correct and that my preseason Super Bowl prediction of Chiefs-Rams will remain intact. I like the Chiefs in that one, by the way. If you're looking for futures, I'm having a great year predicting and prognosticating things. I would say ride me because I am hot. All right, after this break, I can see that Jim is joining the call. We're going to talk Stafford, bask in a bunch of I told you so. So if you can't stomach that, Tune out right now because we're going to dive right in. All right, as we bring in Jim Costa from 97.1, the ticket in Detroit, Michigan. Jim, I wanted to talk about your feelings watching Matt Stafford bounce Tom Brady from the playoffs. It's real. It happened. It didn't happen with Detroit. For me, and I know you as well, we have been banging the drum about this guy, about his talent about his makeup, about how he's not been the problem for so long. What's it like to wake up in the morning and see that this guy has won two playoff games in consecutive weeks? Yeah, he has two playoff wins, and the Lions, who I am unfortunately a fan of, have one playoff win since 1957. So I do think it once and for all settles this debate that was a very real debate in Detroit and the state of Michigan about well, he just couldn't win, and how was it the Lions' fault or was it the quarterback's fault? Kyle, to me, it is so much bigger. It is about the fact that QB wins are a lazy way of analyzing football games and that if you judge a quarterback on how he plays, you will see this guy was a winner. This is one of the premier talents in the NFL, and now everybody else, including people in Detroit who doubted it, have no choice but to shut up and accept it. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Great to talk to you, Kyle. This is great. No, I mean, I was the, you were the first person uh, that I thought of because I've been talking about it all year on the site. I wrote a piece preseason that he's going to win a Super Bowl over there. Now there's obviously two major steps before that happens, but I'm feeling really good uh, about that. And I really think that broader, him having the opportunity to show what kind of yeah. player he can be with a real team around him. Like just at the base, I'm happy for him. It shows how inaccurate a lot of the analysis was. And I know that particularly for you, you kind of had it. You referred to the people who thought that Stafford was the problem as sewer people. Yes. Believe. What was it like fielding those calls year after year of just banal nonsense? Well, yeah. I mean, listen, I think that some of this frustration and, and as a result, catharsis comes from the fact that I was dealing with sewer people, people from the gutter for my entire career and not just here in Detroit, although my very first show on the ticket, I did this conversation. I said, hey, as he's traded away, keep in mind, you blew it. You don't have to like him and people get caught up in, well, he had a couple interceptions or a couple fumbles. So does every quarterback. 
he's not blameless. But if we carve this pie up and everybody's so fixated on percentages, the vast majority was on the Lions. And you tried to tell people that over and over again, and people wouldn't listen because QB wins because he hadn't done it. Meanwhile, these same fans who are Lions fans, or at the very least, Lions aware, know that the organization wasted Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, and they were well on their way to wasting Matthew Stafford. The organization since 1993 averages four and a half wins a season without Matthew Stafford. Think about that. We're talking a 30-year span where it doesn't matter. They go four or five wins without Matthew Stafford. He leaves. They're a three-and-a-half-win football team. And listen, a deserved rebuild, nothing against Dan Campbell. But Stafford's very first year out of the gutter into an oasis, he goes out and has his best passer rating of his career, wins 12 games, the most he's ever been a part of, wins the toughest division in football by winning five of their last six games, none of this backing in nonsense. And in those playoff games, he scores six touchdowns to zero turnovers. He has some of the best playoff performances ever and he does it most recently against Tom Brady in the face of a collapse all around him Kyle he's been that dude still that dude always gonna be that dude and if you needed evidence first of all shame on you but now you have it you know I think that's the biggest part of this too and I wonder if all those years of watching hell break out around him prepared him for that final drive because I got the sense when it was happening, I was like, first of all, it's Tom Brady. So it's like, you throw everything. He's a wizard. He's a warlock. Yeah, it's not only, I said, I said in the lead into this, I was like, okay, he's the best quarterback to ever play the position. In my opinion, he's also the luckiest player in the history of team sports. So you combine those two facts. Like, of course he's won so many Super Bowls, and we're all sitting there on the couch. We're like, uh Oh, uh, here it comes. He's going to do it. And, and maybe deep down, you're like, you kind of want to see it uh, just because it's, it's, it's so crazy. But with everybody fumbling the football, everybody playing so poorly, Jalen Ramsey forgetting to cover Mike Evans, uh, the one time you can't forget to cover Mike Evans, it was kind of like deja vu all over again. And what does Stafford do? He does the same thing he did with the Lions time and time again. If he gets the football last, guess what? He's going to drive you down the field and he put you in position to win. Yeah, so it was in a lot of ways – the perfect summation of Matthew Stafford's career. And you're right. It was four fumbles, 24 points surrendered by his defense. His kicker misses short on a 47 yard field goal. This is the NFL. Listen, you go wide, right? You go wide left short from 47 yards. You're going, this is everything crumbling around him. Everybody's blowing it, but you know what? Matthew Stafford knows the Heimlich maneuver. He does. And this isn't the first time he's done it. Kyle, you know, it, 43 game-winning drives since he was drafted. That's more than every other quarterback in football. He is one of the most clutch quarterbacks in the history of football. And some people are finding that out for the first time. And I give you a pass if you're not from Detroit or a Lions fan. Fine. You you know, you didn't slow sleepy one o'clock games on Sundays. You didn't get to watch. You weren't as familiar. You saw a little highlight. But if you were in Michigan, if you were in Detroit, and you watched this guy, lead teams back over and over and over again. You knew that this is something he was capable of doing in the face of all the choking Matthew Heimlich maneuver Stafford. It was exactly what I expected to happen when things got tough. That's who he is. Yeah. And he's always showed it. And and even because even though this throw to Cooper cup was unlike one we've ever seen considering the stakes, 
I got flashbacks to that Dallas Cowboys game. Uh, I don't know what year it was, maybe 2014, yeah. where he drives the team down. Then finally he caps it off with a sneak at the goal line. Just the frantic way he's waving everybody to spike the football. Just the amazing accuracy. And I don't know what it is, but it's like there's this disconnect between fans and pundits and what the actual players on the field think. Because anybody who's ever played with Stafford would run through a brick wall from, for him. Every defensive back that's been burned by him in a two-minute drill understands what it is. Do you think that part of it is, and maybe this is like a media thing, and you mentioned that yeah. the one o'clock games like in the Lions stink, so what's the point? But my argument would be like when Alex Rodriguez was with the Texas Rangers and they were a last-place team, everybody knew that Alex Rodriguez was a special player, and they awarded him with the MVP. So do you think that it's just a football thing where we're stuck in the mindset of like all that matters is a team's one-loss record? Yes. It's crazy Absolutely. because – you disperse the talent, like what, 90 different players play for any given oh, team? And, and, and these same analysts will get into the same tired bit, and, and they're right, but it's the same tired cliche of the football is the ultimate team game, right? It, it takes all 11 guys doing their job on offense, another 11 on defense. Oh, and don't forget about special teams. And then you say, okay, then I don't want to reduce this to whether or not one individual wins or loses. And you would think you were like speaking blasphemy or sacrilege. You know what it is? You mentioned MVPs. There were a few years where Stafford had a legitimate case in my mind. I don't believe he ever got serious consideration with the national media. And it's, it's a little Mike Troutian in the sense that people would say, well, how can Trout be the MVP if his team misses the playoffs? And the response is, well, without Mike Trout, they're a 40-win baseball team. Without Matthew Stafford, they're a three-win football team. So if they win nine, you find me a lot of quarterbacks that are worth six wins, or I'll give you the season where he led the NFL with eight game winning drives to get the lions in the playoffs. You want to tell me any old quarterback was going to get them in the playoffs. I mean, this stuff is documentable. It's there, but people said, well, they only won nine games. He can't be the MVP. Somebody else won you know, 13, 14. And there were a couple examples where Matthew Stafford had an MVP caliber season. Even this year, I would argue had an MVP caliber season. He won't win it, but I, I think that just speaks to the caliber of quarterback he was for basically now 13 seasons. What was your peak level of frustration with the dialogue and the discourse, uh, if you had one? And then did you have a moment where you thought, uh-oh, I might be wrong about this guy? I mean, <laughs> the slump was kind of bad this year. And I was like, I did. I mean, I know what kind of player he is. And I knew that he would always, probably rise to the moment. But maybe there was a little bit of doubt that the Rams would win two, two playoff games in my mind. Yeah, so it was documented heavily here in Detroit. Was it eight interceptions in X number of games at the end of the season? The turnovers were there. And I agree. He's, he's been a bit of a gunslinger. He's going to take some chances down the field. For the record, I want a quarterback that's not going to go check down Charlie. I want a guy who has the arm and is not afraid to use it. But there comes with that turnovers. And when you play for an awful franchise, you can't overcome a turnover. When you play on a good football team, you are empowered to take those chances, empowered to be the best version of yourself. And in the big moment, he proved that it didn't matter. And, and those turnovers did go away, which I am, I'll be honest, a little surprised. I figured he would have a turnover in two playoff games. Um, in terms of what the discourse and when it was the most annoying, I, I, I don't, people are relentless. I'll give you an example. So they won a playoff game against the Cardinals just a week ago. Mm -hmm. And I had hosts on the station saying, not yet, sort of, doesn't count. Why? 
why, why did, why did the first playoff win not count? We reduced this man for 12 years to winning a playoff game and he couldn't do it because of his own faults. And then his very first playoff game outside of Detroit, he posts the third highest passer rating in the last 40 years of a playoff game. And it's, it doesn't count because Arizona didn't show up. It's his fault that he iced the game in the third quarter. His team should have let him down more. People were mad that the Lions collapse wasn't surrounding him and it wasn't enough for people. So I found that to be really annoying amongst other things, which is why the game he just played against Tampa is so perfect because there is no room for that criticism anymore. His team did try to let him down and you got the moment that so many people were starved for the moment that many people believe just wouldn't happen with him at quarterback. And him being in the number one overall pick and becoming the type of player that he is and has been his entire career. That's in a monumental win. Like any team in the draft that's picking number one right now would be thrilled if their player turned out to be Matt Stafford. And yet he's largely forgotten in the conversation. I mean, we rank the quarterbacks all the time. And even when I'm making my list, like it's hard to put him in the top 10. Now, I don't really like, I know that there are more talented players out there. I know that there are players with higher upsides. We saw two with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. But I wonder if we just kind of as like a football watching society, it's weird because quarterback play has never been more spotty league wide. We don't appreciate the guys who are like seven through 11 every single year and understand that you can win seven through 11 and like how impressive it is to maintain your spot on that list in that range as young players come in. He, Stafford's not young. He's been doing it. Like he has a body of evidence. He came into the NFL at a young age and he hit the ground running, like what he's put together for so long. I wonder, like, I don't know where the hall of fame conversation stands with right. him. I mean, Pat Stafford is the thing that's always going to get him, but do you think that one Super Bowl? win would change that yeah I think a Super Bowl win and it'd be hard to argue he's not a Hall of Famer I think he's going to have the numbers regardless and just you mentioned the discourse that bothers me stat Padford has been disproven he has just as many yards and touchdowns split evenly between the first and the second half so I, I don't know where this garbage time narrative comes how can you be a garbage time QB but then also lead the most game-winning drives so something doesn't add up with garbage time and game-winning drives um <laughs> Uh, but just your question about Hall of Fame candidacy. I don't think he's Peyton Manning. I don't think he is a Mahomes-esque quarterback. I don't put him in the Tom Brady or even Aaron Rodgers tier. I do think for his career, he's about a five to seven in the NFL caliber quarterback, top seven quarterback year in and year out. And the question is, are you a compiler or are you a Hall of Famer? And that's a much deeper conversation about what is the Hall of Fame? If it's only Brady's and Mahomes, He's not a Hall of Famer, but the toothpaste out of the tube on some of this stuff already when you look at who's in. And I do think he'll end up as a Hall of Famer, especially if they go in the Super Bowl this year. We have to talk about the quarterback that he knocked out, and that's 44-year-old Tom Brady. I did a podcast on Friday where I just kind of said aloud, you know, I think it's interesting that nobody is talking about at least the idea that this could be his last NFL game. Like for a while, it was a cottage industry saying, oh, this is Tom Brady's last run or the, the Patriots dynasty is over and Tom Brady is eventually going to have to retire. Now he's been out there saying that he wants to play till 50. Some of the people I've been talking to, they relate to me that he is so motivated by things that other people haven't done. And that number 50 actually means things to him. But what I saw out there was a guy like 
I don't, I know that he was fantastic when he needed to be, but every vibe I got from that game and the comments post game make me feel like I'm not that crazy. Give me a percentage chance one to a hundred that you think Tom Brady has played his last football. It's probably a higher number than it's been, but I still would go like 45%. I just, I, I don't know that he ages. Like you look at him and he looks younger than when he was drafted. I think physically he's proven he can still do this. And I say it with a little bit of nausea. I mean, I, I'm ready for some, for some new blood. I think the possibility of Joe Burrow making some runs in the AFC is fun. Josh Allen, it deserved better with the game he played. There's this wave of quarterbacks that I think people are, are waiting to see burst onto the scene. And Brady has been the gatekeeper for so long. And I mean, good for him. Play as long as you can, as well as you can. But I, I do wonder, father time is undefeated, right? Was this the start of it? I say there's a higher chance now than I would have said a year ago because you do start to see some signs. I think it was great when he was bleeding and it was like the audacity that someone made Tom Brady bleed. And he goes over and starts accosting an official because how dare Tom Brady be contacted in a live football game when stuff like that happens. I wonder how, how long does this guy want to do this? How long is he going to keep playing? And you, you want to go out on top. You've had ample opportunity. Like, I don't know if he's going to win another Super Bowl, and that's not a, a shot at him. He's the most accomplished quarterback of all time. So what are you playing for at this point? Yeah, I don't think he can win a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. I mean, I, what, we got to see what Godwin looks like when he comes back. You know, if you're not going to go out after you win the Super Bowl, which is the ideal way to do it, going out after you lead an amazing comeback uh, in that fashion would probably be a close second. And I always thought that the retirement of Tom Brady was going to come quietly and sneak up on people uh, because he's been kind of like moving people's expectations and he's broken our brains. We're like, yeah, he could play till he's 50, which, yeah, he could. But like we're talking about the NFL, the most physically demanding job in the history of the world, like eventually your, your luck is going to run out. Uh, I said it in the open and I don't know if there's a debate, but I want to get your thoughts on it. It seems like we just watched certainly the best weekend of NFL playoff football we've ever seen. And I would argue probably the best total weekend of football that I can remember. And I say that as primarily a college guy. Yeah. It kind of feels like if you're going to watch a, a Tuesday night basketball game this week, it's just going to be a tough watch after the, the euphoria of this weekend, whether your team was in it or not, every game, edge of your seat, walk off winners. It was a thing of beauty. And it felt like every game was bigger than the last, right? The first game was a nice scene setter. I don't know what Mike Vrabel was doing in the two minute drill, but it made for some interesting football at the very end. And then you build on it with Rogers in the cold and this sudden collapse at the end into honestly that Rams Buccaneers game if that was the, the end, like we needed time to decompress from a game like that where Brady is, is rallying the troops. It was an all-timer. The weekend could have ended right there. And then they topped it with maybe the greatest football game we've ever seen back and forth with two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Both guys just going shot for shot. Two minutes left, another 24 points are scored. No big deal. I, I don't know what to tell you other than I thoroughly enjoyed every second of it. Yeah. And it was weird too, because you know, usually you see people on social media, not enjoying things in the moment. And I think that around the five minute mark of that game, we were all kind of coming to the realization, like, 
wow, this is really special. And that was before all the fireworks and before all the drama. I can't imagine what the ratings are going to be like on all the ancillary programs. Last Monday was record setting for ESPN, FS1. I got to assume like radio tune-ins are at an all-time high podcast downloads. It's really crazy. Like finally the league has provided like the perfect storm of content. On a day like that, how exciting, how excited are you to get in front of a microphone and talk? It is why we do this, where you just, you feel like the wind is, is at your back and you are running downhill. It, it feels fun because you're passionate. You know, the audience is passionate. You know, I'll tell you this in doing Monday through Friday radio before days like this, you realize I got two days worth of content. I got two days worth of things to say. We, we're, we're already looking at Wednesday, basically, because you know you can come in and you can have the overtime debate today. You can talk about legacies with, with some of these quarterbacks. Specifically in Detroit, the Stafford thing is going to be massive. So these are some of the best days to do this show. When you know, listen, you, you do the shows in the summertime and it's the middle of baseball season and your team's 15 games below 500 and you can't muster up a whole lot of give a bleep when your team drops two or three, right? Those days are hard days. These are the fun days. These are the best days doing this. And I, and I hope the audience can tell. Like when you listen to your favorite host after a game like this, you can tell that this is the highlight of the job. What do you think is unique to the Detroit sports fan? Like what stands out about that market for you? So I think it's a really special market. And I say that as someone who's biased growing up here. But I think what makes it such a unique sports market is I think it is a passionate fan base, just like your Chicago's, your Boston's, your New York's, your Phillies. And if you want to say they, they're more whatever, I think Detroit's in the top five greatest sports cities in America. And what I think Detroit has that those others don't, college. I mean, you tell me people are getting worked up for college football in Massachusetts and New York proper and Chicago, and I'll tell you, you're wrong. But we have a fierce rivalry with Michigan and Michigan State all football season long, recruiting, pot shots, sideways glances, and it carries into college hoops a little bit too. So we have the benefit of all four majors, passion and college. And I've just always enjoyed that kind of balance that we get to have because I do think it's passionate. I do think people want a winner. And that's been a recent challenge in doing sports and sports talk in Detroit because all the teams are rebuilding and you don't have a big trade deadline acquisition to fire people up. You don't have a big series coming up, a playoff push. You don't have a do or die game that everybody's getting to the TV to watch. And I know this city is starving for it. And I'll give you just two examples here. The Tigers had a baseball game where Miguel Cabrera is chasing the milestones and he didn't get it on that particular day but it was a Saturday night and he hits a bloop kind of a a walk-off hit but not even a special walk-off hit so much as he just kind of got a good piece of it and the crowd was on their feet the phone calls late at night following that game people driving home listening on the radio and calling in it was beautiful the Red Wings who aren't going to make the playoffs I love them I grew up rooting for the Red Wings that was my first sports love first game of the season Dylan Larkin the captain gets tossed because he stood up for himself after a cheap shot. That resonates with people in Detroit. They lose the game in overtime to defending Stanley Cup champions. Big sellout, home opener, full phone lines, 
10, 11 o'clock at night. I, I could have gone until 2 a.m. talking hockey for a team that's not going to make the playoffs. And the takeaway I had was, oh, we're ready. This city is ready to have all of the things that you grew up on because the Tigers have won in many people's lifetime or at the very least flirted for a World Series. The Red Wings are well-decorated. The Pistons, multiple iterations. The Lions, they're our punching bag, and we know that. But the NFL is so, so popular that you almost don't need them to win for people to care. This is a great sports city, and I feel like it's, it's only a matter of time before the teams are great again and other people see it. My co-host. Uh, it's beautiful. It's um, yeah, great point about Michigan and Michigan State. And the thing about those two programs is that they are at the top of the game in both football and basketball. So you get like the eight-month stretch, and then you also get the offseason as well. Yeah, closing on this, like just those are impressions of Detroit sports fans are largely the same as mine. And I think that what stands out to me is the loyalty. Like yes. we'll eat a lot of crap. We'll sit through a lot of bad stuff and we won't really turn on the team like viscerally and violently. Like, because, you know, if you have the lions in your life, you cannot react like that because you would have gone insane a long time <laughs> ago. I think that it's kind of just like a powder keg waiting to explode. If the tigers get good again, which God bless God willing, that's going to happen in about two or three years here. And the red wings start competing and go deep into the playoffs and the Lions, you know, if they ever get deep, it's going to be an explosion. I really think that people, much like Stafford, are kind of going to start to see that, like, oh, this is kind of like a Boston that was hiding in plain sight where maybe it can become the title town uh, championship and have a fan base that is just maniacal in a supportive way. Jim, thanks yeah. so much for joining me. Uh, before you go, I wanted to ask, uh, can I get you on the record? Is Stafford going to win the Super Bowl or not? Oh, boy, he just drops this in at the very end. Yeah, what do you think? I think uh, uh, I think he's very capable of winning a Super Bowl, but I'm not going to pick against Chiefs and Mahomes. Sorry. Sadly, I agree. But it was great to see him have that moment. Uh, I don't know about you. I feel really vindicated, uh, and I'm very myopic. So that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> uh, really appreciate it. Keep crushing it down there at 97.1 The Ticket. That's Jim Costa. Thanks, Kyle. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at